0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the other web. Our guest today is Professor Pete Alexander, an entrepreneur, business owner, and stress relief expert. It's no secret that our modern information diet is stressing us out. We reached out to Professor Pete to explore what stress is, why it happens, and what we can do about it. Professor Pete, welcome to the show.
1: Alex, thank you so much for having me on the show, and I really am grateful for your listeners' time as well.
0: Right, thank you for joining. So It seems like you're an expert on stress, and we are all drowning in stress these days. So what happened and what can we do about it?
1: For me, and like a lot of people, um, stress has been a lifelong adventure. And uh, for me, growing up in a very dysfunctional family was uh, my insight into it. And as I became an adult, I tried to do everything I could to... uh, avoid it but not deal with it and you know with something like that that it can be very problematic because what we end up doing is we manifest it inside of ourselves and so for decades that's what i was doing and it didn't happen or i didn't notice the real major effects of it until I was in my mid-40s. And I had this perfect storm of stressful activities, uh, including my father dying and he hadn't put any of his affairs in order. My mom had to have major surgery and she didn't have the insurance for the physical therapy. My uh, business. I had to be responding to my, my employees uh, all the time, and they needed my attention. My kids were small. They needed my attention. And uh, and my marriage was heading for a divorce. So needless to say, lots of stuff on my shoulders. And what ended up happening is that I ended up losing, at one point, I ended up losing 30 pounds in 30 Days. Now, at first, you know, being in my mid 40s, I was thinking, this is fantastic. I hadn't lost uh, weight since my early 20s, and I wasn't doing any dieting. I was eating the junk food that I normally would eat, and I wasn't doing any special exer- exercise, just the same exercise I was doing uh, usually. And the weight kept on coming off. And after that 30th pound came off, I thought, okay. It's time to get some blood work. And sure enough, comes back stress-induced diabetes. And nobody in my family has diabetes. Yet, here I am being diagnosed with it. And like a classic entrepreneur, I kept on burning the candle at both ends uh, for another 10 years because I didn't listen to my body about what the stress was doing to it. And then I ended up in the emergency room, 2018, in the emergency room and an extended stay in the uh, intensive care unit with a severe case of diabetic ketoacidosis. And for your listeners who might not know what that is, my body was eating itself alive because of my stress. And that's crazy. I, was, I finally realized lying in that hospital bed that I was trading my health for my career. And that is a really bad trade. And that was a big eye-opener for me. And so after I uh, got out of the hospital, I finally realized, you know, I better do something about this. And I started uh, applying several different stress relief tools and techniques, most of which worked, some of them didn't work. And my friends, my family, coworkers, they all said, You ought to write a book about this because they saw the changes in me. And what's really crazy is that if you saw a picture of me from 2008 when I was first diagnosed with stress induced diabetes, and you see me now, other than a little bit more gray hair on my head, I look younger today than I did 15 years ago. That is crazy. That's what stress does to us. And it's, 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 it's it can cause horrible consequences if we don't deal with it. Right. So that
0: makes sense. I did catch one phrase that you used that always kind of piques my interest, which is stress relief. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that should be stage three. But the first two stages are, why did the stress... Get accumulated in the first place. Yep. Right. And why did the vessel that was used to accumulate it? Why was it not large enough?
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Why mm-hmm. was relief
0: necessary? So did you just focus on the third stage, or do all three stages somehow come into play?
1: Well, the obviously the they all came into play. The um, what I would like to call it with the, the, since my pancreas failed in my body, um, so it stopped producing insulin. That was my weakest link. Of my body's chain. And so, with others, what what happens is, is that when we continue to stress ourselves out, when we are constantly worrying about something, constantly stressed about something, we're dumping adrenaline, cortisol, et cetera, into our bodies. And our bodies are the exact same bodies that we had back in the Stone Age. And if you think about it, back in the Stone Age, our stress, the fight or flight, was based on, okay, do we want to fight or run from a T-Rex or a saber-toothed tiger? And then once that that fear is done, then we get back to our normal uh, living our lives. But our lives today is mostly up here when it comes to the stress. And so we're constantly dumping that in there. And what happens is when we continuously put that stress into our bodies, the adrenaline, the cortisol, it creates a cellular inflammation in our bodies. And when we have cellular inflammation in our bodies, that's where chronic disease happens. For me, it was uh, the diabetes. For others, it might be cancer. It might be heart disease. could be any number of things. But what happens is, is it doesn't happen right away our bodies are smart enough to give us signals early on the problem is is that we mostly ignore it especially if you know we're hard hard working entrepreneurs so you know if we think about the stresses that we deal with we get both mental and Physical stressors and mental stress. You know, you might early on you might notice that you have a lack of concentration versus being able to focus. Uh, you might have mood swings where you go from happy to sad or angry at a moment's notice, instead of being able to transition more more consistently with that. Might be having anxiety about something in the future, or you might have prescription drug or alcohol uh, addiction. Those are all uh, indicators, early indicators that we are mentally stressed physically it might be something like uh, having a cold you know every month or you know instead of maybe once a winter season or you know a classic one back and shoulder stiffness what happens is, is that for those of us that work at desks when we're stressed we tense up and so our back and shoulders will show that uh, you might not be getting not enough sleep or excessive amount of sleep—not the normal amount of hours that you do that that are healthy for your body. It might be having digestive uh, issues where no amount of Pepto Bismol is helping, or you're reaching for the Excedrin or aspirin bottle every day instead of occasionally because you're getting so many headaches, uh, and then. You know, for me, a perfect example that weight fluctuation, either gaining or losing weight rapidly, those are all indicators that you are physically stressed. But the problem is, if you do like what I did, the mistake I did, and ignore it and just keep on doing, you know, putting your responsibilities with work or family, et cetera, ahead of yourself, that's going down a very slippery slope that you. Uh, may not recover from. And for me, I have to now deal with this diabetes for the rest of my life. It's not something where I could just say, oh, okay, I can just lose a little bit of weight. Now I don't have to deal with it. No, even though I have, uh, I keep myself in great shape, my pancreas still doesn't work anymore because of what I did to it.
0: Right. So suppose that I recognize myself in at least four of the items that you listed there. What would you recommend that I do to try to combat the problem earlier as opposed to waiting 15 years for something to fail?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So first of all, A, I commend you for recognizing it. That's number one, is you have to be aware that it's happening. Once that you're aware that it's happening, then it's time to say, okay, let's try something that might work. So for example, one of my favorite activities that only takes a minute is a simple visualization to help ground yourself. So I can walk you through it. And for your listeners who are listening to this, the only thing I suggest is you don't do this um, while you're driving a vehicle. So if you're listening to the show, you know, go ahead and uh, pause it. Wait until you pull over, you know if you're on a bicycle, if you're on a motorcycle, same thing. Just wait until you uh, you're not in a moving vehicle. But what you do is go ahead and close close your eyes, Alex, and take a deep breath in And I want you to go in your mind to a place you like to relax. Call it your happy place. Maybe it's the beach, maybe it's a park, maybe it's a lake maybe it's your backyard maybe it's the spa maybe it's maybe it's your favorite recliner whatever it is go there now and take in all of your senses so what do you feel do you feel the sun on your face maybe the grass or the sand under your feet And what do you smell? Do you smell the fresh air? Maybe the lotion from the spa? Maybe you just made yourself some popcorn and you want to just relax on your recliner. And what do you hear? Do you hear the wind blowing through the trees? Maybe the water splashing on shore? And what do you see? Do you see the blue sky? Maybe the green of the trees or the grass? Whatever it is, take it all in and then take another deep breath in and open your eyes. How was that? a lot (laughs) of fun. Yeah, it is. And the reason why um, it works so well is you imagine your senses at that place. Because one thing is to think about it, but another is to bring your your natural senses into experiencing it. And that makes it more real and it gets your body to automatically relax. And we can do that anywhere. Really. And it just, it's, and it takes one minute or less, as, as, as you saw. And it, and it, it, it can just calm you before letting that stress get just too high. And often when we let that stress get really high, one of the things that we end up doing is either having a, making the wrong decision, saying the wrong thing. And, you know, when, when those words come out of our mouth and you can see it, it just comes out and it's like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. And you can't grab them and bring them back. And that, those things happen to us when we're stressed. We just, it's just we make the wrong decisions. All right.
0: So this is an excellent exercise, again, for stress relief. Mm-hmm. I keep coming back to this question. How did the stress get there to begin with? Yeah. Can we do anything to just absorb less of it to begin with?
1: Yes, yes. So being, going back to being mindful of it, Is very important because if you just push it off, so let's say, you know, going back to what we talked about, some of the early uh, signals, if we continue to ignore those, then our bodies are going to automatically ratchet up, keep ratcheting it up. However, if at the one point when we have stress, we think, okay, I am being stressed let me think about this a moment, or let, let me do something. Let me go for a quick walk. Let me do a visualization exercise to kind of calm it down. Then we can avoid going down that slippery slope where it's going to be more problematic for us. So being aware of what's going on, that we are stressed. And often what ends up happening is what we're worried about, us as human nature, When we're faced with a stressful situation that is perceived to be negative, we often worry about all aspects of that situation. But the reality is, there's only certain parts of that situation that we can control and affect change in. So, one of the things that you can do is, if you're mindful about it, say, Okay, I'm being stressed. So, let's say as a business owner, You know, let's say somebody, you know, an important person puts in their resignation. That's always something that as a business owner is like, oh, crap, right? Well, there are certain aspects of that that you can control, but you can't control if the person has taken, you know, decided that they want to leave and they have a new opportunity that they want to pursue. You know, you can sit there and try and change their minds, but the likelihood is that they will leave. Even if you can change their mind temporarily, statistically, it'll show that they're going to leave anyway in three, six, nine months. It's almost guaranteed. So why not just go ahead and accept it and realize that there are certain things within your Realm of control that you can take care of to make sure that the business continues to function properly and not keep beating yourself up about, oh, why did that person change, you know, decide to leave the company? That's not part of your control. And when we focus on things that are beyond our control, it's wasted energy and it just, you know, churns inside of us. That's a that's a critical one. The other thing that I I want to uh, really bring out for people uh, to to answer your question, I get asked this a lot. They I get asked, "Is all stress bad?" And no, it's not, because there's actually good stress and bad stress. Good stress are things like, as an entrepreneur, let's say we're working on something in our business that we are passionate about. Well. Good stress is going to help us get things done on time because we know we need to get it done. That is not negative stress. That is good stress because we're working on something we want to work on. Where we want to focus our stress relief efforts is in two areas of stress that um, are most problematic in my experience. One is ruminating about something in the past. So usually this is something that we're guilty about often, guilty about something we did or didn't do in a particular situation. Well, the reality is it's in the past. We cannot change it. However, we can learn from it, the positive learnings, and just let it go if at all possible. Because ruminating and letting it churn inside of us, that does us no good and just brings us down. The other one is anxiety about something. That may or may not happen in the future. You know, let's say that we're worried about, you know, something in the business is going to happen. Oh my gosh, maybe this customer is going to, uh, you know, give us notice that they're they're not going to be a customer anymore, or oh this or that, and we start worrying about this instead of saying, okay, let's think about what the positives are. And uh, and a common one that I run into with with people is their fear of having a difficult conversation with somebody, somebody that works for them, maybe a, a mad customer, let's say, or something like they have to give a presentation that's very important and they've got a fear of being on stage. So instead of worrying about oh it's going to go terrible I've, you know and 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 manifesting that kind of negative energy, instead what I suggest is thinking about one minute after that event. So let's say you have to have that challenging uh, conversation with someone, and instead of imagining it going bad, imagine the conversation is done and you shake hands, you smile with the other person, whatever, it's gone positive. Or if you have to give a presentation, that you get a standing ovation as soon as you're done with it, as opposed to people just kind of looking and checking on their phones or walking out of your your presentation. The energy, the positive energy that comes from that will mean that you walk into that situation in a much better frame of mind and likely to steer the outcome to that positive outcome.
0: Interesting. So I see a few items that you just listed that sound like the Stoic dichotomy of control. Uh-huh. Right? Focus on the things you can control and not uh-huh. on those you can't. And that includes not focusing on the past and the future because obviously you cannot control those. Right. But at the same time, the Stoics would almost advise the opposite. Visualize the worst possible outcome, figure mm-hmm. that you're not that afraid of it, it's not that terrible, mm-hmm. and then be positively surprised when the average outcome happens, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to visualize the best one and then be disappointed by the average outcome happening, because most <laughs> of the time, average <laughs> outcomes happen, right? <laughs> right? So, is are both approaches viable, or is it better to do positive visualization and avoid kind of premeditatio malorum, as the Stoics would say?
1: Yeah, it's an excellent question. Um, you know, it's interesting because for me, uh, I believe in the law of attraction when it comes to energy. And if I'm looking at, let's say, the worst possible scenario, there's a negative energy associated with that. And those of us who believe in the law of, of attraction, the reality is we attract the same energy that we're putting out to the universe. So if we're looking at the worst possible scenario and you know it, we're, we're attracting that negative energy back, the likelihood is it's going to be probably below average, whatever that outcome is. But to me, if I think about it the positive first, perhaps I am attracting back the positive energy that'll have it above that average. And so that's where I would recommend. But I do get the scenarios where, like, for example, the expectation, I don't consider a w- worst case scenario, but what I try and do is I try and minimize a fantastic expectation because you're right. if you if we were to say on a scale of one to ten, if everything you expect is a ten, it's going to be very difficult to hit that. But if you're focusing on let's say between a 6 and a 9 as opposed to a 1 and a, f- a 1 and a 4 let's say i believe that you're going to attract back a better better uh, outcome so
0: my concern assuming that the attraction things works mm-hmm. my concern is that you will still be disappointed almost every time and that in itself is stressful if you're walking into every meeting with your boss thinking oh i'm getting a raise okay. <laughs>
1: Okay, so the expectation there is that a realistic expectations. So there's 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 where I would talk about it, Alex is, is, you know, have realistic expectations, right? So you walk it in, and I want to raise every time I meet with my boss every week and stuff. Right on, but that's not going to happen. You know that the reality is. But let's say that uh, your um, ever your expectation. With your boss, or your expectation, let's say, with somebody who works with you, works for you, is a positive encounter. So maybe it's just a productive meeting. We got through what we needed to get through. We have an agenda. We got through all of it. That hits the expectation and you've got a positive there. So it's really, you know, one of the things that uh, I talked about in my book was minimizing your expectations. Because when we set such high expectations, you are setting yourself up for disappointment. But if you set realistic expectations, so, you know, we all know about SMART goals. And one of the things that it says is specific and it's measurable, but realistic is, is the R and why would you set unrealistic expectations because inevitably you're not going to meet meet those so set them realistically and so you know going back to the uh, expectation a minute after a difficult conversation uh, or perceived difficult conversation or you know 10 seconds after you've given a a, a scary presentation what would be the realistic expectation from a positive standpoint realistic expectation is for the speaking thing you get an applause um you know for the difficult conversation is the person nodding and you know maybe smiling shaking hands with you that's what you imagine
0: right does it also make sense to focus on setting expectations only for the parts you can control in the conversation? Absolutely. If I'm talking to my boss, I haven't had a boss in eight years, but Mm -hmm. suppose I did, right? If I'm talking to my boss, I can have expectations about keeping my cool, standing my ground, making my argument coherently, right? But I probably shouldn't have any expectations about my boss's response because maybe he just had a bad day and he's
1: angry, right? you are 100% correct, thinking about that. and you know, and it's interesting that you say that maybe uh, they're, they're having a bad day. Yeah, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes with that person. It's the same reason uh, you know, we, if, if we're out at a restaurant and let's say we we have less than stellar service from the the, the waiter or waitress. You know, unless the person was obviously going out of their way, To make it a negative encounter for me, I'm still going to tip them because I don't know if they, you know, who knows what's going on in their lives and that their mind is set on that because we have no control over that. And so our bosses, you know, and our bosses, if they are, you know, the, the 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 most challenging bosses I've had in my lifetime have always been micromanagers, and the problem is with them. They're micromanagers because they don't trust the people who work for them. So what is under your control in a situation like that, if you have a micromanager, is A, you could leave the job. That's one. Or B, you could work on how can you increase the trust level with your boss you know, so that at least you open the door for it. So those are the kind of things that you have to think about. What can I control? And, it, you know, it's, it's a, an easy way to do it anytime that you've got a situation like that is to just do a two columns, you know, and you can do it on your phone, you can do it on your computer, you could do it just handwriting, but you just say, what can I control? What can I not control? And what you can't control, just put it aside as much as possible Because if you can mentally put the things you can't control to the side, that allows your brain to focus almost exclusively on what you can control, what you can affect change in. And our human nature is we want to feel like we're making a difference, we're making change, we can control the situation. So if you focus on what you can make a change in, then your stress is going to go down.
0: I want to add one more thing from my own experience with micromanagers or people that are difficult to work with. I ran a consulting company for a while, Mm -hmm. and it just so happened that I worked essentially for the same guy in three different companies once. And I can say that in the first and the third one, he was amazing to work with. Best client I ever had. In the second one, he was terrible to work with. One of the most difficult people I ever had to deal with. And it's the same guy. And so... I think that just means he had stress in his life. Mm-hmm. Right. And so even if you work with somebody for a year and you think, oh, they're a terrible micromanager, it's so difficult to work with, it doesn't actually mean that's true. It could just be that that person's going through a tough time.
1: Correct. And you have to also wa- watch your own projection because one of the things that uh, is interesting in the, in the, the last century, uh, there was a lot of research um, about what's called the shadow. And the shadow is um, a situation where, if we are working or we're engaging with someone, who actually irritates us. well, the reason <laughs> the reason that they're irritating us in one way or another, giving us stress is because they're flaring something inside of us something about what they're doing is flaring inside of us something in our past that we haven't fully dealt with and so it's it's a sore subject for us it might be a part of our personality that we don't want to publicize but it's getting you know it, it, it's bothering us and so one of the things that is interesting is if you can kind of look at it and say, okay, why is this bothering me? Why is this person bothering me? Like, you know, that, uh, I, I've had this, this, this practice where I might, you know, go into, let's say, go into the doctor's office. I remember um, having a uh, receptionist who she ignored me was just on the phone constantly and just you know and I was early for my my appointment, and she did not acknowledge me at all and stuff and I was thinking to myself, What kind of customer service is that but then I started thinking about it, and I think, all right, have I done anything like that to someone else and I was embarrassed about doing that to someone and so it's once I had that Thought process and realized okay, that's why it's it's starting to flare on me. I realized, okay, you know what maybe she's the only one that can answer the phones. there's been a lot of phone calls and she's stressed, whatever. It's amazing and you know I remember when uh I was working with someone and this car we were in the car and just this car blew right by us. and the first thing I thought is that person is driving recklessly, and very dangerously. That's crazy. And then I thought to myself, because the 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 person in the car with me was just freaking out and it, you know it was a jolt i was the one driving and then i thought to myself well what if that person just got news like maybe his wife was going into labor and he had to race to the hospital or somebody that they know is has, has been in an accident or something like that and they're just they try to have to get there as soon as possible then it it allowed me to take a deep breath and realize you know what it's not about me and we don't know the whole situation. So, we have to watch what we project because what we project onto someone else is usually a reflection of what we have inside.
0: And it's generally true that most of the world is not about us.
1: Absolutely. You know, how you know, we can't. We can, you know, it's it but if we can control how we deal with it, that's an important thing. And one of my biggest learnings that I had was you know when we talk about the world is anyone that we meet if they have you know some sort of opinion about a particular subject what we should do is we should respect their opinion we don't have to agree with it but respect it and if if that's something that could happen in the world where different cultures could respect each other's view of it Can you imagine how much better the world would be? You know, we don't have to, and one person doesn't have to win while the other person has to lose. You know, it's just, okay, you have your thought, we have our thought, and respect each other's thoughts. I mean, it it, it would be a game changer for the world. It really is. But we can't change the world ourselves, but we can change how we respond to other people.
0: And I think, unfortunately, even within the same culture right now, Mm -hmm. we're getting to the point where... Everything must be either mandatory or forbidden, and there is no middle ground where you just respect two th- two sides. Right?
1: I know it's so frustrating. I mean, I it just the, it, especially when you have like a two party system or you know two political parties. Often, what ends up happening now is it's all about stopping the other per, uh, power or the the other party from succeeding. It's not about what's better for the country or the world. It's, oh, we don't want that group to win. We want to stop them from winning. And that what what good does that do? What good, do, you know, truly it should be some sort of collaboration. But unfortunately, it's all about ego, as we know, and trying to be the one that wins every time. And and that that just it's it's not a positive.
0: It makes it look more like a soccer match than.
1: Actual, <laughs> exactly. <and to> govern. <laughs>
0: okay, all right. So I want to use this as a segue to actually focus a little bit on the input side of things, mm-hmm. because it seems like people are getting much more stressed these days than they did 10 years ago, 20 years mm-hmm. ago, 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And the thing that has changed the most is the information we consume. Right. It seems like the news is trying to stress us out. Social media is trying to trigger the strongest emotion they can possibly Mm -hmm. trigger to keep us using it for longer and longer.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: How can we as individuals try to put up defenses against that? Or I don't know if there is another approach or at least not to get triggered by it. And how can we as engineers, as entrepreneurs, create tools that help people achieve that?
1: Yeah. So talking about like 10 years ago, I'd go probably 13 years ago because of these things and if the number one thing that we can do is prioritize detoxing from technology on our downtime so i'll give an example let's say you have dinner plans or lunch plans with somebody important whether it's family member a friend you name it have you ever noticed that when you go to dinner and you look around how many people that have multiple people sitting at the table are all sitting there on their phones? Well, I always wonder when I see that, why are they even at the restaurant? Why didn't they just get takeout and just go home and scroll through their phones, right? They're not being present with the other person or people at their table. So if we can get into a habit of not like classic Pavlov's dogs with the phone, every single time that it prompts a text, you know, an email you get, uh, uh, whatever it happens to be, if the phone call, and we prioritize the phone over the person sitting right uh, in front of us. That's wrong because we are constantly triggered by it. But if we can start putting ourselves separate from that phone, even for a dinner, a lunch, Or even better, not have the phone in our bedrooms when we go to sleep. So for me, I keep my phone out in the kitchen. You know, I have a classic alarm clock, so I don't have to worry about if I need to get up at a certain time. I have that. It'll wake me up. Usually I wake up before my alarm, but it'll wake me up if I have to. I don't have to have the phone because what ends up happening is is when we're so attached to our phones, our brains are constantly being wired. And if you think about it, when we go on vacation, the, the intent of going on vacation, let's say just even for the weekend, but let's say we take a week or a few days off, the intent is to disconnect from work. But if we are constantly checking our messages, our emails, our texts from work, we're always on. And that does not give us any relaxation. So I highly recommend to detox from that technology. The clinical research shows that for us, because we are tied to technology so strongly with our phones, if we go on a one week vacation, let's say seven days, it takes us three days to unwind. If if we don't touch our the technology, it takes us three days to fully unwind from our work. And then as we're getting close to coming back to work, we're starting to ramp back up three days. So reality is in a one-week vacation, we're really only one full day to be able to take that time off if we disconnect. But if we do not disconnect, we haven't done ourselves any good. We have not taken a vacation, even though we might physically be in some exotic location. We're not really taking the vacation because we're letting our phones keep us stressed out.
0: Yeah, I have to say I'm definitely guilty of that, of essentially viewing vacations as these occasions where I take my family so they can rest and I can work on the beach.
1: hmm yeah, <laughs> I've done it too. I, in fact, I have for my laptop, I have uh, for the beach, uh, I bought it for when I went to Hawaii. It's this cover that allows me to see it. And then I realized to myself, what am I doing? What am I doing? But what I started doing, which was good, was I was working on a personal project. I was working on the book that I was writing. That was different from the work that. I did it for a living. And so going back to the stressors of working on a passion versus working on something you know ruminating about the past or anxiety about the future that's different stress. And so keep that in mind that if the you know you, you have to figure out what is it that's a stressor for you that's a negative stressor. So if getting an email getting a text from your business and you all immediately are going back and going, oh, I got to deal with this. That's a negative stressor. But if it's something where, hey, I'm going to sit on the beach because I want to read my this book on my Kindle device or my phone that's got the Kindle app or whatever app it is, or my computer and stuff, that's relaxing to me. If that's relaxing to you, that's perfectly fine. Just remember that you want to be able to disconnect from whatever the stressor that technology is causing. So
0: speaking of stressors caused by technology, there is another interesting piece of research that I've seen from, I think 2013, where they looked at people who were present at the Boston Marathon bombing and Mm -hmm. actually witnessed the bombing Mm -hmm. and compared them to people who watched at least six hours of news coverage of Mm -hmm. the bombing. Mm -hmm. And the second group was more likely to have PTSD. Yes, as a result of watching the news. Yes, and so my question is: Should we all just disconnect from the news entirely, or is there a way to handle it in a in a healthy way and still know what's going on in the world?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because the problem with the news, and this is both um, the news on you know on the networks as well as in print, you know that we that we can see on our phones and our computers. Unfortunately, negative news is what sells advertising. So with all the things that potentially positive that go on in the world, we as humans, we don't pay attention to that. So it's, it's a perfect example is, uh, let's say you're in traffic and there's been an accident, a car accident and you get to where the accident is. Our natural human nature is we have to look. We have to look. And can you imagine all of a sudden we see somebody bleeding or just uh, some horrible thing happened to them? We don't want to see it, but we can't resist looking at it. The same thing happens with news. We want, what gets our attention is something, a bombing, as you mentioned, or somebody's been killed, or, you know, there's been some horrible thing that's happened. We have to pay attention to it. But what if it was something like, hey, um, let's, uh, the Special Olympics has this new winner who won, you know, the, the, this race or something like that. It's like, eh, whatever. We don't pay attention to it because it's no big deal. Something positive. So to answer your question, what I suggest is on our phones, I would, I would not watch the network news because the network news is going to focus on the negative. However, if you want to make sure you know what's going on, our phones have a, you know, you can set what kind of information you get prompted to. And for me, I want to know, I have it prompted to me once a day. And I look at it and I scroll through the stories that are there. And they're both positive and negative because I do want to know. I mean, there's there's certain things that I I, I want to know what's going on, you know, let's say um, what the latest on the Ukraine war is, for example. You know, so those are the kind of things that you can keep in the nose so that you can have a conversation if needed with someone. But to continuously look at negative news as, as soon as it comes in and get it prompted on your phone that's going to keep you being pulled back into the negative so this way you can control it a bit more your phones are smart enough to help you get the information when you want it not immediate because those going back to you know that detox from technology when we constantly are are pinged immediately all the time that is going to keep pulling us into work mode stress mode
0: It sounds like that's another theme, that we should do things on our own schedule as opposed to being driven by interrupts from the outside.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, like for me, um, I have things set for, for example, like when we scheduled uh, uh, this webinar. So I have my phone knows that do not disturb me. Nothing. Nothing so it just you know i i can get to it after so that i could be 100% present with you and that's what we should do when we have important conversations when we have important mental work that we need to do have your phone be on do not disturb and keep the phone face down because you know it's it, it, it's crazy but all the time that we look there's been the uh, studies on this where let's say we're working on one particular project. If we could stay focused on it, we're going to get that project done. Every additional project or information that we need to take that is separate from what we are currently working on, what happens is we start becoming less productive because there's a ramp down on what, you know, let's say your phone is upright and you constantly look at every text that comes in. Well, You have to look at that text, and you were working on something, so there's a ramp-down time. You look at that text, you think about it, you got to ramp up to think about it. And then once you're done with that text, then you got to go back to whatever you were working on. There's a ramp-up time on that. And the more times we do that, there's more wasted time throughout our day. And before you know it, you're at the end of your day, and yeah, you responded to 20 different texts, but did you get anything done? And you wonder, where did my day go, right?
0: So. I don't know if our listeners can tell, but my phone closes.
1: Oh, <laughs> perfect.
0: Yeah, it, yep. it folds closed. Yep. Um, it's, by <laughs> Good the way, for you. An, an amazing innovation because that's the only way a modern phone can fit in your pocket.
1: Ah, yeah. I my, Mine, uh, I, I've, I've, I have to force it into my, my pocket and I agree with you. And then classic thing is, If I get a text or something, inevitably it's going to be when I'm driving and I can't get into it. So it's actually a good thing because I don't look at my phone while I'm driving, and it's you know it's safety for one thing, but also you need to be focusing on the drive, right? So
0: (laughs) especially if you're not alone in the car, there's a high cost to being distracted.
1: That's exactly right.
0: All right. Well, uh, this has been amazing. I really want to thank you for your time. I hope that. Our listeners will be a lot less stressed as a result of this talk.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, Alex. You know, and and I I invite your listeners to reach out to me. The, I'm sure there'll be the links on the on the uh, podcast page. Um, to you yeah, know,
0: to perhaps you can mention them that you have a program of some sort that people can
1: follow. Yeah. So uh, if they go to my website, uh, I've got different links there, including uh, uh, a uh, uh, class that they can take from uh, on Udemy, where uh, they can. Uh, do their own 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 process and take their time to 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 reduce their stress in a very methodical way so uh, both you know from videos and uh and from uh, different documents that they can download and uh it, it can help them uh, it, and basically what it what the class has is uh, the most powerful stress relief tools that i use to uh kind of reduce uh, and almost get uh, to the point where I found the uh, uh, fountain of youth by, by removing most of the stress that I had in my life.
0: All right, that sounds awesome. I want to try it myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, believe it or not, you know, I'm, I'm 85 years old. No, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I'm in my late 50s and I look younger than I looked when I was in my mid 40s. That is crazy.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Professor Pete. It was great talking to you and I hope
1: we can talk again in the future. Wonderful, Alex. Thank you so much for being on the for having me on the show and for your listeners' time.
0: This has been another episode of The Other Web. Join us next time for more discussions on news, media, and the information ecosystem as a whole.